Hi there, this is Gerald Salenti, Trans This Week on Progressive Radio Network. I'm back. Been gone for a couple of weeks. It was over in the Philippines. Ugh, not a place I'd go back. People are wonderful, really nice. But the um, poverty is striking. My God. And uh, I went there on business and pleasure. And part of the business was meeting with some governors from uh, Papua New Guinea. And uh, they have an election going on. They wanted some of my advice. But, yeah, there was no connection there. Yeah, but it was a good meeting. And, uh, yeah, nice people. But not my trip. And the way the rich treat the rest of the people was shocking to me because I was with some rich people there. And the regular people that work in the restaurants and anything else, they treat them like dirt. It's just very shocking. But the people were really wonderful. But again, the poverty was striking. And then I went to a place called um, <clears throat> Palawan. And that's a up-and-coming tourist area. The beaches were spectacular, the best beaches I've seen in my life from anywhere, from south of the border to, you know, you name it. I've been around a lot of places. I've never seen beaches like this. So beautiful. And the little islands all around, the underground river in Palawan, just spectacular. And it's a real tourist attraction, mostly Asians. And a number of places I stayed at, you know who owns them? The Chinese. They're buying up everything. Everything, everywhere. The ports, the cities. And when I was also there, it was the second annual meeting of the uh, BRIC, BRIC, the Belt and Road Initiative, BRI. The Chinese new yellow silk road, as I call it. I wrote about it in the Trends Journal two years ago. Follow the yellow silk road. The business of China is business. The business of America is war. And they're taking over. And the deals that they did with the Belt and Road Initiative, where they're connecting the old Silk Road, plus, 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 not only through Eurasia and Europe and Africa, but also South America, it's now totals almost $4 trillion. So this is real. And uh, as a matter of fact, even Italy has signed on. And now China is going to be a major part of the port of Trieste. Imagine that, huh? Italians can't do it on their own. They're barely just getting out of recession over there. So it was a very interesting trip, but uh, not a place I would go back. And uh, again, the way that the rich treat the rest of the people is just very sad. 
And also, you know, we're talking to the waiters, my buddy and I, you know, make friends with the regular people. <clears throat> they get paid $3 a day. And then they have this thing on, on when you get the tab, it's a service charge included. So you figure that that's their tip. Well, guess what? The house gets 85% of the service charge. They only get 15%. Yeah. And you know how much they get paid for overtime? How about nothing? Yep. So, that was that. And again, good place to go. Nice visit, but not a place I would go back. So, on to the markets. What's going on? Well, you know the markets took a dive yesterday. The equity markets, and you know why. Trade wars. How many times are they going to throw out that BS? And you know I've been saying this on Progressive Radio News and our subscribers to the Trends Journal for two years. Every time the market goes up and down, they blame it on trade wars. Well, now the market's up some 70, 60 points because White House says China indicating it wants to make a deal. Now it's up almost 90 points. And one of the ways that we knew that it's not trade wars and it's not a big issue is gold prices. Gold prices are stuck around the 1280 mark. 1280 bucks. If there was real trade war problems going on, guess what? Gold prices would be spiking. And they're not. So gold is also not going up because the dollar is getting stronger. Even with this massive trade deficit that we have and massive <clears throat> financial deficit, budget deficit, some $22 trillion, the dollar is still strong because the other currencies around the world are so weak. And China is doing what it can to prop up its failing economy, or slowing economy, I should say, not failing. And therefore, they're dumping more dough in and devaluing their currency. So it's just going to continue like this because the same thing going on over there in Europe. You have negative interest rates. Economy's picked up a bit over there, but general slowdown. <clears throat> and as you all know, back in September, we called for an economic 9-11. And we were right. We called it the day before the S&P 500 peaked. September 19th, the S&P 500 peaked on September 20th. And the markets went down into correction territory. Into bear territory almost, 20, down some 20%, and around the world. But then on January 4th, we changed our forecast. Nobody could predict the future. We changed the forecast because the Federal Reserve changed its strategy. They said they were going to raise interest rates aggressively in 2019. And now, quote, they're going to be patient. And we believe they're even going to lower them as the presidential reality show heats up. And Trump is going to put more pressure on the Fed to keep rates low. And we believe even lower them. So, 
we changed our forecast. And we said the markets are going to go up. And they have. Matter of fact, the end of April, the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ struck some new highs. So the market's going down now a bit and fluctuating. has more to do with just the regular days of the um, market fluctuations. Nothing goes straight up, nothing goes straight down. And now you're hearing from the Federal Reserve, their, uh, James Bullard, one of the cats over there from St. Louis, the Federal Reserve president, he says uh, the rate policy is, quote, a little tight. Yep, a little tight. And that's what we're seeing, a little tight. So watch housing. That's going to be a key number. Because as goes the housing market, the real estate market, remember, Trump's in the real estate business. That's his major concern about issues. And he wants to keep making money. That's all he's interested in is power and money. So they're going to do everything they can to keep interest rates down. And that's going to keep the economy going along. We believe it's going to start slowing down around the third quarter of this year. And that's when you're going to see the Federal Reserve lower rates more and more and more. And as I mentioned, that you're seeing Chinese, for example, as well as other countries, doing what they can to pump up their economy. And now we just saw just came out, Chinese trade data for April showed that both exports and the trade surplus missed expectations. So imports rose. And that's important because some almost over 75% of China's gross domestic product is consumer driven. The United States, it's about two thirds. So the trade surplus was only 13 billion plus, and it's far lower than the 35 billion that analysts had expected. So exports fell almost 3% from, from a year ago. So it's telling you there's a global slowdown, but it's not dreadful. Nothing goes straight up, nothing goes straight down. And what you're going to start seeing, again, is more monetary methadone being pumped into the systems to keep them going. End of story. And what could change the markets? Well, you've known we've said this for a long time. One of the big wild cards are oil prices. And now, of course, what the Trump administration has done to Venezuela, what the Obama administration did to destroy Libya, and what the Trump administration has done to Iran, with sanctions on both Iran and Venezuela, there is a bit of a shortage of oil. And we just saw the numbers come in in the United States, 
on the oil front. And we saw supplies, the uh, stockpiles, they fell dramatically, some four billion barrel, million barrels, not billion, million. So that drove prices back up a little bit. So, so Brent crude is around $70 a barrel. I'm mentioning this because let's go back to Venezuela and let's go back to Iran. And the Trump administration is banging the war drums against both countries. If war breaks out in the Middle East, not only kiss lives goodbye of hundreds of thousands of people, because this will be a bloody one, but it's going to kill the equity markets and most of the global economy. I mentioned earlier, and this is really a trends lesson, all things are connected, or as Chief Seattle is allegedly to have said, all things are connected like the blood which unites us all. I mentioned earlier about the strength of the dollar. What's oil based in? Petrodollars. What does that mean? Well, when China buys oil, India buys oil, and other countries buy oil, they have to pay for them in dollars. As the dollar gets stronger, their currencies get weaker. That means they have to pay more. So you take a country like India with their rupees way down, Turkey, Argentina, one country after another, weak currencies. Oil prices go up, they have to pay more as their economies are slowing down. Now, and going back to the wild card, Iran. The hatred that the Trump administration is building against Iran is disgusting. But no more disgusting than the hatred that's been brought to the American people to hate Iran, beginning with Jimmy Carter, primarily. And that's how he became a trend forecaster. He used to be in Washington and uh, worked for a major trade association back in the day, lived between Chicago and D.C. And um, he came back from Iran after spending New Year's Eve with the Shah and his wife. And he said that the Shah was the island of stability in the Middle East. And the Bronx, we used to have a term, bullshit has its own sound. And I can say bullshit now because everybody does. It's on the air. It's not a dirty word anymore. And um, while the Americans are sucking it all up and not knowing a thing about how the Shah was put into run the country by the CIA and the MI6 of the UK, the overthrow of Mosaddegh in 1953, democratically elected government who had the nerve to nationalize the oil fields and get rid of Anglo-Iranian oil, better known today as BP, and Standard Oil, better known today as ExxonMobil. So they couldn't have any of that, so they overthrew this violent coup. And then the Savak, the secret police, was just worse than the SS or about as bad. So when the revolution was going on in Iran, I knew it was real. But the American people soaked up the BS as they always do in most countries. Remember, Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction and ties to Al-Qaeda. We have to go into Afghanistan because uh, 
we got to get rid of that bin Laden. He's hiding there. So we're going to destroy the whole country and invade it and be there for 18 years. Well, the same thing happened back then. So as everybody was hating Iran, and this is, again, this is how I became a trend forecaster and also a political atheist because I'd seen enough. I, you know, I was with Ronald Reagan for an hour and a half one time when I ran the trade. He was the number two guy running the trade association. And he was our keynote speaker. Two days before he announced he was running against Jerry Ford, 1976, he was 30 years old, picked him up at the Chicago Hilton in a taxi cab in those days, not like today. Anyway, I became a political atheist when I saw what Carter did. And, but I also said, what will be the implications? And I realized that oil and gold prices would go up. And I started playing the futures market. And I parlayed a $5,000 bet to nearly three quarters of a million dollars. And I quit my job. I was, didn't like what I was doing anymore. I started to grow up. I was getting environmental legislation killed, actually, back then. And... Um, you know, like 28 years old, I was staying at the Willard Hotel and putting my meetings on the Hay Adams. And I was really at the top of the game in that field in those days. And I started to grow up and realize it's, life is more about just making money. And I quit. And by the way, I lost most of that money because I didn't know what I was doing and I just kept gambling in the markets. But going back to where I began, it was about oil prices. If war breaks out in the Middle East, you're going to see oil spike to over $100 a barrel. If it gets over the $90 barrel per barrel, that's going to bring down equity markets and economies around the world. So that's something to look at very closely because the war talk is heating up. And it's also important to note that during the presidential reality show, it's going on now, <clears throat> very few of the candidates are speaking out against what's going on both in Venezuela and Iran. As a matter of fact, BS Bernie Sanders <clears throat> is basically supporting what the United States is doing to Venezuela. He keeps attacking Maduro. Their duly elected president. And going back to Iran, the hatred that's being spewed out by the media against Iran never stops. And then we have what's going on over there in Israel with Gaza. Of course, I can't say anything bad about Israel because I'd be called an anti-Semite. But of course, I'm only joking. I'll say what I want to say about anything I believe. <clears throat> the motto of the Trends Journal is think for yourself. What's going on there is disgusting. And very few are speaking out against it. Disgusting. It's an open-air prison. 
and Israel keeps stealing more and more land. And they keep using the word settlements. What's settlements? I'll give you an example of prostitute media. And again, I call them prostitutes because that's all the press is. They're corporate whores. They do what their corporate johns and Washington whoremasters tell them what to do. This is a front page story of yesterday's Wall Street Journal. New Iran threats led to U.S. action. U.S. intelligence showed that Iran has made plans to target U.S. forces in Iraq. Oh, U.S. intelligence? Intelligence level of what? You mean this is the same U.S. intelligence that told us that um, Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction and ties to al-Qaeda? Oh, no, no, no. This is the, this is the intelligence, again, with an intelligence level of minus zero, that we heard our esteemed Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, say, oh, by the way, this is the Mike Pompeo that brags that he's a Christian, evangelical Christian, and has a Bible that he's always, you know, going through in his office. Oh, and I could say, I could say this because I was raised a Christian, went to Catholic school. And of course, I'm very grateful that Father Foley was a ladies' man. It's <laughs> a disgusting thing that's going on with the Catholic Church. But of course, I can't swim anymore, and I used to be a great water skier as a kid. Because Sister Marie Rosaire, may she rot in hell, beat me up one day and perforated my middle ear and broke my eardrum. Anyway, <clears throat> this is Pompeo's quote, is barely not covered at all in the major media. It was last Sunday. I was CIA director. We lie, cheat, we steal. We even had entire training courses. We lie, we cheat, we steal. Oh, and I'm supposed to believe, going back to what I read, U.S. intelligence showed that Iran has made plans to target U.S. forces in Iraq? Why should I believe you? You lying, cheating, stealing freak? Oh, those are your words, not mine. Oh, I hated the freak. I love these people that play the God card all the time. What God are they talking about? Maybe Satan is their God. Because I don't know of any Christian that would brag that we lie, we cheat, and we steal. This isn't a joke. Going back to the article in the Wall Street Journal, U.S. intelligence show that Iran has made plans to target U.S. forces in Iraq and elsewhere in the Middle East. 
triggering a decision to reinforce the American military presence in the region in an effort to deter any possible moves by Tehran. Yes, yeah, so now they're bringing you know, this uh, naval brigade over there. Imagine if Iran was down in the Gulf of Mexico. Ooh, oh, that'd be different. And then in this article, just a paragraph down, I'll read the whole thing. The escalation in tensions came as European diplomats said that Iran appeared poised to breach portions of the 2015 International Nuclear Pact that restricted Tehran's nuclear program in exchange for relief from economic sanctions. Oh, wait a minute. The United States pulled out of that deal, so why shouldn't they be able to do what they want? That followed, this is the next graph, or the next sentence, same graph. That followed a rocket barrage fired into Israel by an Iranian-backed militia in Gaza over the weekend. Huh, isn't that something? That these people, these rockets, by the way. Yeah, I think we used to have bigger rockets when I was a kid, you know, during the 4th of July than what they're shooting out there. And then what, look, look, at, look at the Israeli military, one of the biggest and most deadly in the world. And look who they, oh, they sent up these balloons that were filled with gasoline. Yeah. This is an example of the prostitute media. And again, I call them prostitutes because they get paid to put out and they keep putting out more and more war talk. More and more war talk. And that's why Occupy Peace is so important. We're having a difficult time, too, trying to keep it going because we're getting very little support. And you can see it in the news. Most of the media is supporting the wars. And they keep promoting the hatred against Iran. And now, Nuts Netanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel, said that Israel will not allow Iran to have a nuclear weapon. But of course, Israel has an estimated 400 nuclear weapons. And they're not a member of the, you know, this atomic energy group, or not, not atomic energy, but the, uh, the group that all countries are supposed to join, a number of them don't, that have nuclear weapons. But it's okay for them to have nuclear weapons. Iran should not have nuclear weapons. The United States could have more than anybody in the world, but nobody else should ever have them. So this is going to be big. It's going to be big. And it's heating up. But this is no surprise to Trends Journal readers and subscribers. Because this was one of our top trends for 2018. Market shock mass murder was the title of it. And we had forecast that an alliance was growing stronger and stronger between Israel, Saudi Arabia, and the United States against Iran. 
And now it's in front of everyone's eyes. For everyone to see, to hear, but not to understand. Because the way the prostitute media reports it, it's reported in a way, it goes back again to Jimmy Carter, so that you can hate Iran without knowing any of the facts. Because after all, who cares about the facts? Not in the United States. Fake news? How about this for fake news? What I just read you. And there's one after another. One example after another. Did you see the one about CNN? CNN on Sunday said about Venezuela, it comes as pressure is mounting on Maduro to step down following elections in January in which voters chose opposition leader Juan Guaido over him for president. An outright lie. An outright lie. Maduro won the election last May. He was sworn into office in January. Guaido announced himself as president of Venezuela. Fake news? Hey, how come Facebook doesn't ban CNN for lying outright? When they're banning everybody else they don't like. So we're going to be back in a little bit. Remember, if you want to call, it's 888-874-4888. 888-874-4888. Be back in a few minutes. The Progressive Radio Network is a thinking person's network for our world's progressive visionaries and stakeholders and great thinkers to assemble on a commercial-free and listener-supported network. Our provocative hosts speak freely and passionately on intriguing and urgent topics such as health and news and politics and women's issues and philosophy and more that directly impact our lives. Progressive Radio Network takes chances. Our voices and ideas are not always welcomed by corporate media. So Progressive Radio Network is a very important outlet for these great thinkers. Hey, it's Jesse, PRN Station Manager. I have an exciting announcement for our amazing listeners. PRN has a new voicemail line that will allow you to connect better with our hosts. If you can't listen live but have a question or comment for one of our hosts, just call 862-800-6805. That's 862-800-6805. This feature will allow your voice to be heard on your favorite PRN show. Thank you for listening to the Progressive Radio Network. 
is a gadget guy, but I love gadgets that really do the trick, like the new app. The Progressive Radio Network has an app, thanks to our friends at Audio Now. Hey, this is Mark Farrell, host of Insight on Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we broadcast live out of New York City. But if you can't catch the show live, no frets. It's always archived. It's always on the app. Download it now. Listen now. Listen later whenever you want. The Progressive Radio Network app is available from our friends at Audio Now. Check it out. Zuma, Zuma, Bacala. Louis Prima. Boy, I loved him. You know, I was a young guy back in 1969. I went to the Mardi Gras with my buddy. Yeah, he had a Corvette. I went to school in West Virginia. <laughs> Charleston, West Virginia. It's the only place I could get into. I hated every day of school. And that was the old New Orleans. It was great. Nothing like today. And I had the good fortune of kept going back to New Orleans when I got when I worked for the chemical industry and the trade association. I had a convention there and and then when I did a lot of speaking for businesses and, con- and trade associations, they had meetings in New Orleans, so I was going back all the time. And by nineteen ninety two I never wanted to go back again. It changed so much from the old place. And then when they opened Riverwalk up, they drove a lot of the business out from downtown. But anyway, Louis Prima was playing down there. He had a restaurant. And I was playing at that little hotel. I forgot the name of it. And uh, Pete Fountain and Al Hurt had places down there. And I got down, I got down there just at, just at the right time. God, I love that old jazz. You know, I watched this movie uh, when I was flying back. And I don't go to the movies. I don't watch many of them. I read most of the time. And I watched, um, one of the movies I watched on the plane was um, A Star is Born. <laughs> what a trite piece of junk. <laughs> yeah, Lady Gaga has a nice voice and all. You know, What a stupid movie. And I think back, you know, when I was, when I worked, the trade association. We took out the whole um, uh, field of um, Superdome. We had dinner for about a thousand people. I was in charge of it. I'll never forget. I was a young guy, you know, and I, I go to the guy, this big French guy who was, you know, running the show, the food guy, and I told him, you know, I, I the level of food I wanted. And he looks at me and smiles. He says, listen, we're going to be feeding a thousand people. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to do the best we can to make it really good. It's not going to be great. And I got it. I understood. But anyway, that show, <clears throat> we had Dionne Warwick as our uh, feature. And also, next year, 
in, in Atlanta. We had Ella Fitzgerald. I went backstage and um, she, uh, she was so nice. And my former wife, may she rest in peace, uh, she looked at her and said, remind me of my goddaughter, Carmen. So, you know, I, I was around the greats, you know, I, I, I've heard a lot of them. And the music today just doesn't do it for me at all. So, anyway, Louis Prima, Cella Luna, Metsumata. Yep, gotta love that stuff. So, again, if anybody has any questions, you wanna talk about anything, call 888 874 4888. And again, going back to the equity markets, um, gold is not going to go up unless there's a crisis, period, paragraph. And of course, I would like to see gold go up because I've been investing in it since 1978. But I call things the way they are, not the way I want them to be. And uh, as long as the economy stays strong and it's going to stay relatively strong, and so too will the markets. And um, there's also a possibility, by the way, I, I'm ba I backtracked on my other forecast that Beto O'Rourke would be the front runner because he came out for open borders. And you saw Bernie Sanders come out in favor of closing the borders. You also saw Bernie Sanders come out and saying that he wants tougher trade regulations, even more so than, than um, Trump. He said Trump wasn't tough enough with NAFTA. And he's bragging about how he voted against NAFTA. And Biden voted for it. And also to bring China into the World Trade Organization. He voted against it to normalize trade relationships with China. Those are going to be the major issues, among the major issues of the 2020 presidential reality show. The issues are going to be trade, the economy, healthcare. That's the big ones and borders, trade, economy, healthcare, and borders. And right now Biden has the lead and you're going to see the Democratic Party go 100% behind him, just like they did with Hillary Clinton. Because they know the Trump card that's going to be played and that's going to be, we don't want a socialist government. We want capitalism, which we don't have. We have corporatism or fascism almost. The merger of state and corporate powers. Hey, Habu from Wisconsin, how are you? Yes, hello. Happy spring to you. Well, thank you. Spring is sprung. It's fine. The sun is out. We've got a lot of rain over here. It's been raining almost every day since I got back. <laughs> well, you know, uh, last week uh, we had snow here, and this is in southern Wisconsin. So, um, but, you know, we love it like that, um, slowly and coolly, you know, before the onset of, of summer. But anyway, good that you were able to go and enjoy that very warm culture of, in the Philippines. Uh, very nice people there. Yes, yes, yes. Very nice people. Yeah. So I have three very brief questions, and do you want, I'll do just one at a time, but I won't follow up. One is, can you tell me what is the rationale for our central bank or the Federal Reserve to raise interest, to want to raise interest rates, as they did last last year, uh, towards last year, 
when the economy has so much of slack in it, look at, you know, Uber is now coming out with a big uh, IPO, 80 billion and all this. It's because there's so much of slack in the economy. People don't, you know, have to pay more than 50% of what they, um, take less than 50% of what they get in receipt. So with all this going on, why do they want to raise interest rates? Could you please explain that to me? Yes, the primary reason is they believed that with strong job growth and that there would be inflation. And they have this 2%, they made this number up, by the way, a 2% inflation rate. Number two is that, well, that never happened, of course, because we're basically all just nothing more than slaves in slave land here. And you mentioned Uber and that wonderful term they have now, gig economy. Isn't that nice, you know? Yeah, you work and you're on your own. You get no benefits from anything and you hardly make enough money to live. So they, they were wrong on that. And that, by the way, go back to last February. That's when the Fed started to aggressively raise interest rates more. Not they had been raising them, but they had announced their aggressive policy because of strong job growth. The reason why there's no inflation, but of course there is inflation, but no inflation using the fake numbers thanks to the Bill Clinton administration, where they take out you know, very many elements that show the true levels of inflation. The reason the fake numbers of inflation are low is something I wrote about in 1999. I called it the 5-0 formula. I'll try to remember them all. I forget one of them. Open markets. That was new. Overpopulation. We're talking about the Philippines. These people work so hard and they can't earn a living over there. That's why so many of them leave the country and go to the Middle East and other places to work. Overcapacity. There's more stuff out there. There's more, more stuff could be made than they need. And overproduction, they're doing it. And online. Online has, you see what it's done to retail. All that has kept prices low and inflation low in many different sectors. That's why you're not seeing inflation going up. The second element of why the Fed's aggressively raising interest rates is that the higher interest rates go, the next time the financial crisis hits, they have room to lower them. So, even now, having raised interest rates nine times since 2015, the overnight Fed rate is only between 2 and 2.5%. That's historically low. So they need higher rates when the next crisis comes so they have leverage to put more monetary methadone into the economy. And you have a lot of nations that don't have that any more to do, like Europe. There are negative interest rates. Japan, negative interest rates. So that's my answer for the first question. Okay, I, I won't monopolize it, but couldn't they use instead of keeping, uh, of raising rates, uh, uh, go with, um, with, with fiscal policies like making you know, infrastructure monies, uh, trillions of dollars available, and that way be, deal with... Uh, um, 
And also, you know, when you uh, when the interest rates are low, it means that they pay less interest overall on such a big outlay, correct? Well, yeah. So again, it's uh, you know, it's, it's who they are. That's the only they're interested. They're not interested in building an infrastructure or anything good. All they yeah. are is interested in who they are. That's all, and keeping, you know, keeping the, the game going. And that's all they'll do. They'll keep doing anything they can to keep it going. Okay, well, next question, and I'll just have one because I don't want to monopolize your time. You, you, you know, I, when I look at how China has kind of really conquered, in single quotation marks, conquered the world, it is just amazing. I mean, the world's market. It is just nothing short of spectacular. They've done this without as much as firing off a shot. Yes, they've gone in there, and they have some onerous terms with some countries or what have you, but they have done it uh, um, 180 degrees uh, uh, differently from how America has been used to doing it. What do you say? Well, what I say is, again, I've said this over and over again, the business of China is business. The business of America is war. And if you don't believe me, you could believe Dwight D. Eisenhower as he left office, his farewell address on January 20th, 1961. He warned us that the military-industrial complex was robbing the nation of the genius of the scientists, the sweat of the laborers, and the future of the children. Number two, America is an outside-in government, meaning that it's run by the corporations from the outside. The politicians are nothing more than prostitutes, imbeciles, morons, stupid jerks that vote for Republicans and Democrats, call them politicians. And what they get is campaign contributions. Adults call them bribes and payoffs. So the politicians do what the corporate masters tell them what to do. So it's an outside in government. So you have a lot of diversity in what goes on and who benefits from it. China is an inside out government. The government is the corporation. State SEOs, state enterprise operations. Okay, they can, they, they, they're the major driver of what's going on in China. The policy of economy is set by the government. The government tells, tells the businesses what to do. You look at that, you know, if they don't, they, they stop that group uh, Tencent from making more video games because they were too violent. And then they started regulating them even down to that level. So China is an inside out government rather than an outside in. The government's major focus is economic growth. They're going to be the world, the number two economy now. Within four years, five years, they'll be the number one economy worldwide in terms of gross domestic product. And they're buying up the world. Here, Habu, go back to 19, uh, 2000, when China got into the World Trade Organization. We officially got in, actually, two weeks after 9-11 in 2001. But they were voted in in 2000. Their middle-class population comprised 5% of their total population. So now, 35% of the country is middle class. They have a bigger middle class than America has a country, plus another 100 million people. So they're buying up the world. And that's what's going on. And again, while America, as I was talking earlier, they're talking about Venezuela, 
We're talking about Iran, and we're talking about a military-industrial complex. And when you put the intelligence, and I use that word lightly, of course, there's no intelligence, homeland security, uh, uh, one after another, NSA, CIA, when you put it all together, the Americans are spending over a trillion dollars for worthless garbage that robs us of our rights and murders innocent people around the world. And about talking about innocent people, murdering innocent people around the world, you know, now it seems as though every time we see a school shooting, you know, oh, another one. And people say, you know, we need gun control. Well, I say the fish rots from the head down. What makes some sick person that blows people up in a synagogue or in a school or in a mosque any different than the presidents of the United States that declare war against innocent people and kill them by the millions? What makes that person any different than hearing the Nobel Peace of Crap Prize winner, the arrogant Barack Obama, launch war against Syria, Assad has to go, Gaddafi has to go, and destroy their entire nations and be responsible for the death of millions of people, like George W. Bush in what he did with Iraq and Venezuela and, and Afghanistan, like what Trump is doing with the economic sanctions, it's warfare against Venezuela and Iran. Iran right now, by the way, is in a very severe recession. And it's basically due to the economic sanctions. It's economic warfare. So I ask people, what's the difference? Why do you want gun control when you don't have gun control at the top? The fish rots from the head down. What makes it any different for some sick person to say that they want to kill people because they don't like them than the president of the United States declaring war against nations who have done nothing to us and slaughtering people all around the world. Look at Raqqa now that the United States destroyed it in Syria. Look at Mosul now that the United States destroyed it in Iraq. Look at Libya now that the United States destroyed it, along with the other murderous people such as Cameron of the UK and Sarkozy. May they all rot in hell. Look at how the United States for weeks championed the death of John McCain, who I said long before Trump, this guy is no hero. He was a victim. His plane got shot down, bombing innocent people in Vietnam. And that doesn't make you a hero. But look how they champion it. So again, going back to China, what wars have now, of course, now China's taking over the islands and particularly around the Philippines. And I was there when I was there, it was a big issue, of course. And now they're trying to, you know, they know that they can't fight the Chinese. So they're trying to do a deal with them. But the Chinese are going to buy and take up as much of the world as they want. And no one's going to be able to stop them. So thank you very much, Abu. And if anyone else has any questions, you could call 888-874-4888. 888-874-4888. And as I was saying, what's going on in Venezuela, this is really very, very serious. Uh, and, and what's going on in Iran. The people are suffering because of the economic warfare launched by the United States. 
And the propaganda that they keep putting out keeps having us hate more and more countries. A front page story in the toilet paper of record, the New York Times, Putin marshaled his oligarchs to find back channels to Trump. He goes on the paragraph, the two discussed potential joint investment venture, but the special counsel's report released Thursday suggested that Mr. Dimitrev's real interest lay elsewhere. Whoa, wow, where could that real interest lay? Because remember what the headline is, Putin marshaled his oligarchs to find back channels to Trump. What were those back channels about? You ready? He had been instructed by Mr. Putin, he told Mr. Greeson, to come up with a plan for, quote, reconciliation between the United States and Russia. (gasps) Oh, my God. That's disgusting. Reconciliation between the United States and Russia. Why should we have reconciliation when we could have more war? Isn't that terrible? That's the way the media keeps pumping up war, and that's how most of the public buys it. And again, Occupy Peace, OccupyPeace.com. If you'd like to help us do what we can do to stop this madness. And we can't do it on our own. We need help to do it. And the New Trends Journal will be out next week, the monthly. And we're doing podcasts. You can get those anywhere. You know where to get them. With Doug Grunther, Trend Vision 2020. Nothing like it. Nothing like it in the media world. You tell them stuff. You could tune them in. Listen to them. Watch them. Video broadcast. Video podcasts. Either way you want to do it. And nowhere will you get a podcast like the one we're putting on. The amount of information that we put out in 20 minutes to a half hour, you won't find anywhere. So, the Trends Journal, our Trend Vision 2020 podcasts, and of course, Occupy Peace. And to subscribe to the Trends Journal, just go to trendsjournal.com. And if you can't afford the $129 a year, then of course, there's a discount request page because we know that people are having a very, very difficult time. So, in wrapping up the presidential reality show, we're backtracking on Beto, and it's going to be between Biden and Bernie, and the millennials are going to have a big role in this. Uh, Even though the Democratic Party is going to be solidly behind Joe Biden. As a matter of fact, Doug Grunther, who co-hosts the show with me on Trend Vision 2020, he said, all Biden is Hillary Clinton in drag. And boy, he's 100% right. But you know how Biden's going to do it. He's gonna, they get, it's all about the swing states. And he's playing it already in Pennsylvania. I was born there. I lived there until 10 years old. And he's talking about, you know, helping unions and on and on. But he appeals to an older demographic, not the younger demographic, that's going to have a big play in this. 
and uh, he's talking about $15 an, eight, $15 an hour federal minimum wage, and he would provide a public option through Medicare to expand the reach of Obamacare, and he'd eliminate tax cuts for the wealthiest Americans and large corporations, which, of course, the Obama administration bailed out. By the way, the Federal Reserve numbers came out. Do you know how much they bailed out the, uh, the bigs when the panic of 08 hit? Take a guess. Bloomberg reported, I think, about $9 trillion. They were about $20 trillion off. Nearly $30 trillion in Federal Reserve aid, central bank aid, to bail out the bigs. It's Slavelandia. And all we are are workers on the multinational plantation. So thanks for tuning in to Progressive Radio Network. I'm glad to be back. And I'm very happy to be part of what Progressive Radio Network does. Because with censorship going on around the world, there are very few places now to get news you can use. This is Gerald Salenti. See you next week.